Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. Today it's me, Greg, and I'm here with Singletracks.com co-founders Jeff and Leah Barber. Thanks for joining me today, guys. Thanks, Greg. Thanks. So today we're going to talk about how Single Tracks got its start. Single Tracks has been around for quite some time now, and I'm interested to hear from Leah and Jeff about the idea that was behind the website in the beginning. So to really get started, when did you guys start mountain biking? I actually started mountain biking in high school, so that would have been like the mid-1990s. I mean, I had always ridden bikes off-road, and actually in middle school, I asked for a 10-speed bike for Christmas, and the the bike I had in mind was like a road bike. You know, one of my neighbors had one, and I thought that was a lot of fun to ride around. Christmas morning, I ended up getting a mountain bike, you know, it was knobby-tired, 26er bike and I was honestly I was a little disappointed I was like man this isn't what I thought it was but it did have gears and you know I quickly rode it around the neighborhood and started riding it in the backyard and you know there were like woods kind of around our house and so I would do a lot of that kind of mountain biking. How about you Leah? It wasn't really until college uh, that I started mountain biking and and Greg you know um, that Jeff and I we have a pretty long history together we were in high school together, and that's when we, we started dating. And, and as much as I'd like to give Jeff some credit for getting me into the sport, he was he was a small part, but I did have a group of college friends that got me into mountain biking. It was actually while I was co-oping at Georgia Tech at a company in North Carolina. A friend did a, a weekly ride there. He was way into bikes. His name is Sean Burr. He must have had, you know, then it was like 10 bikes in his fleet, and he would always want me to go with him. Every week he kept on kind of pestering me, and, and one day I finally went out, borrowed a bike from him, and we went out in, in Country Park, Greensboro. Had a lot of fun. I think I, I crashed a lot more than I was actually stayed on the bike, but, you know, after that, Jeff realized that he could get me out on the trails on the, the weekends since he was in, in North Carolina, too, and and that's kind of how our adventures started. We we rode a lot in North Carolina, all around the southeast, and just kept on wanting more. So how did the single tracks get started then? What was the original idea behind it? So single tracks started um, when I was in college. Like I said, Jeff and I had a lot of weekend adventures doing mountain bike trips all around North Carolina and, and the southeast and kind of all the new trails that we rode, I wanted to kind of catalog somewhere or share somewhere. And at the same time, I was at Georgia Tech. You know, I was in college. I was in engineering school, and I was surrounded by a lot of computer nerds. I was kind of one myself, and I had figured out, kind of dabbled with learning HTML. And, and back then, it was, you know, when the internet and websites were, were in their infancy, and you had to do HTML like in Notepad or, or whatever it was that came on your desktop computer. So I learned HTML kind of the hard way. 
this was even kind of before we had WYSIWYG editors. I think I had a got a site on GeoCities, if, if you remember that, and I had some crazy yes. long URL with a bunch of numbers in it. Um, I don't remember the original name of it, but, but I decided then that we should kind of catalog our experiences of all the mountain bike trails that we went on. And so it, it started kind of, I guess it was kind of like a blog is today. It was really personal experiences, a lot of pictures of, you know, me and Jeff being goofy on the trails, a, a lot of, um, a lot of staged pictures and things that we would look back on now and, and think were definitely cheesy you know, definitely Jeff and some Lycra on there. That that was a treat. Nice. And so, cotton t-shirts, too. I was a big fan of those. Maybe even some tube socks. Maybe. It was the 90s. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> definitely some neon. So that was, you know, when it was a blog and super personal. What made you decide to turn it into a dedicated website that was about more than just you? I think... That happened probably within a year or so after building the site. Um, we were on a ride, and I remember, you know, having this conversation about all the different things you could do with a website. We were thinking about all kinds of stuff, like oh, you could have classified ads, and you could, you know, have forums and let people have conversations, and other people could review trails and things. And little did we know that there were a couple of sites already that were doing that. MTBR was an early one, and um, I'm sure there were others, but. But yeah, it was over the summer of 1999 that I was a college student at the time and plunked down the money for the dot-com, you know, which wasn't, I mean, at the time it was kind of an investment because it was like, I mean, I don't know, it was maybe 35 bucks or something. Well, we but were I was in college. A, yeah, we were college bucks. students and, and we had to pay to host it, you know, 10 sure. or 20 bucks a month and kind of a commitment. But I was excited about the idea because it just seemed so sort of limitless once you had that website and you could start involving other people in the conversation. So what about the name? Why did you choose single tracks for the name of the site? I think, you know, I don't even remember the other names we were considering at the time, but to us then and now, single track is, you know, I mean, that's that's kind of the goal. That's what we love riding and that's kind of what every ride aspires to i mean if you're not riding single track then to me you know in a lot of ways you're not really mountain biking i mean you could ride a lot of other bikes on trails that aren't single track but single track is you know it's kind of the destination for me that and i think we had to get creative beyond um mountainbiketrailwebsite.com because i think that was (laughs) that was taken a lot of the obvious things were taken which is which is interesting you know and at that time in the 90s yeah even then there wasn't a lot and single tracks was actually someone owned it before us it was a is either in australia or southern california it was like a mountain bike site like more of a regional site i don't think they you know used it for very long but there was an actual website you know at singletracks.com before us um, but they let it lapse or whatever and so we picked it up snagged it nice so what is your guys' background? Like, what sort of education and work experience did you bring to this project? Like I said, I, I went to Georgia Tech. I kind of come from a family of engineers, so I got my degree in chemical engineering. Um, after college, uh, I got the opportunity to work for Intel Corporation. Um, got to work in the factory, put on the bunny suit every day, but I was in Colorado, so I kind of got to 
be a, a real engineer but live out in the mountains, got to do a lot of really cool outdoor stuff, a lot of awesome mountain bike trails. Some of my most favorite trails are still out there. And after my kind of engineering career, I always loved mountain biking and we always had single tracks as a hobby. So I transitioned to marketing of all things. And I, I worked as the internet marketing manager over a performance bike in North Carolina. So came back to the southeast, uh, back to my home trails, so to speak, and did marketing for a while. And um, here we are in Atlanta. Yeah. And my education uh, was in engineering as well, not, you know, computer stuff at all. I was civil and environmental engineering. And then after school, I went into the Air Force uh, for four years. I was an officer at Peterson Air Force Base in Colorado Springs, which, you know, was an awesome, awesome assignment. Got to spend my weekends riding all over the state and, you know, really developing, you know, a huge, huge love for mountain biking and big mountains and all that kind of stuff. And then the other side, I guess, my mother is an author. And even as a little kid, I would write like chapter books. Writing has always been fun for me. And I've enjoyed, you know, even back in the early 2000s, I was starting to write a little bit for the site, writing sort of longer form articles. And that's something that I I really enjoy. Right on. And it's amazing how Colorado and sort of the movement out there had a part in the genesis of all of that. Sort of very cool to hear. So when you guys were in Colorado, were you doing single tracks full time or what part did that play in your career at that time? At that time, yeah, it was it was definitely a part time gig while I was in the military. Um, it was like a you know, at night I would come home and work on the website for three, four hours. You know, it really wasn't a full time deal really until at least a couple years after that. I went back to school um, when we moved back to North Carolina. And so um, it wasn't until 2007 that single tracks became a full-time job for me. What led to that transition? What sort of instigated you to take it full-time and to quit your day job and you know dive in headfirst? Part of it was I didn't have another job. Uh, <laughs> I did. I had started like a clothing company with a friend right after business school. And that pretty, pretty quickly, we realized that wasn't going to be a viable business. And so, you know, as that was winding down, I looked at single tracks, which was getting good uh, traffic at the time. You know, I could see that it was growing and it looked like a better opportunity to me than the clothing company that we were working on. And so I told myself, I'll, I'll give it, you know, six months or a year and we'll see where it goes. And, and fortunately, you know, Leah was employed at the time. Uh, at performance. And so, you know, she was able to allow me to make that happen, you know, for that sort of transition period. So at that time, you know, we're still talking about it as a trail database. And, you know, there are tens of thousands of trails around the world, if not more. So how do you expect to be able to catalog all of them? How are you going to, you know, tackle that monumental task? Well, one of the sites when we first started single tracks that that I always kind of looked to was Amazon. I think that we brought over a lot of a lot of the features that they used on their sites, like things like recommendations that, that Amazon had. So that was kind of what we wanted to go towards. And we wanted to grow the site beyond kind of the southeast and in Colorado by asking users, asking other mountain bikers to kind of help us out with that. 
I feel like we seeded kind of those areas and, and we knew that more was out there. So changing things to kind of the way that Amazon opens up their website to, to users to add photos and things like that, um, to add their experiences to the site kind of was our motivation to kind of grow beyond our own backyard. Yeah, I mean, we realized early on that we couldn't ride every trail out there. And we actually, in the early days, you know, we did open it up to allow anybody to add a trail and to add reviews. But at the same time, we also worked out a deal with another person who had started a similar project uh, to catalog mountain bike trails. The Tiger Layer Layer. Yeah, it was a website called Tiger Layer yeah, it was this woman in California, and she had done a really good job. She actually had a, had gotten a lot of contributions from people in Florida. Hi, Anne, if you're out there listening. Yeah, hi, Anne. <laughs> uh, in Florida and, and obviously California. And so for her, it was just kind of, you know, hobby thing. And we said, hey, you know, would it be cool if we took over that for you and put a lot of those trails on single tracks? So that's what we did. And, and Leah actually got to meet her several years later. Um, they, they rode together out in California. So that was cool. Nice. Very cool. So while the site started as this trail database and it's still a big portion you know, of what we do, Single Tracks is now so much more. And one of the main focuses is editorial content. So when did you originally start adding that long-form content? And why did you take the website that direction? I told myself in 2007, starting January 1st, that I was going to write an original article every single day or every single weekday. Um, and that was that was right when I started doing the site full time, and so it was definitely something to keep me busy while I was doing that. And you know, I found it was it was really easy. It was a lot of fun, and it has grown a lot since then. And so much so that you know, that's Greg's. That's what Greg does full time. That's what you do. And mm-hmm. you know, we have this this team of writers now that you know contribute, and and that's becoming a real focus, which is which is cool to me because that's a lot of what I'm into. I mean, I love reading and I love writing. And to me, it's it's kind of a natural progression. So Greg, at this point, you know, you're really handling most of the editorial stuff. And, you know, I'm writing a little bit, but you definitely handle the day to day. So, you know, what is the day to day like? How do you source all the content and, you know, get these great articles for the website? Oh, that's a big question. But We have a team of just excellent writers spread all around the U.S. that write for us on a regular basis, on a basically a weekly basis, and we couldn't do it without them. So shout out to our editorial team for that. And on top of it, all of our full-time employees contribute articles regularly, and we also team up with uh, freelancers around the nation and around the world to get their content out there as well. So it's definitely a, a team effort and it's a full-time job managing and working with all of those people, but it's a lot of fun. So a lot of that goes on behind the scenes, you know, for each article before it ever hits the website that, you know, a lot of people never realize, but I think in the end it, hopefully it all works out and creates a really good product. Yeah. And what's interesting too, is when you started full-time, you know, and your background is in journalism and in writing. And the time that you started, I think I said, the blog and writing articles is important, but that's not sort of the big picture of what we're doing. But quickly, you know, after you started, that became a bigger and bigger part. And, you know, today it's it's the biggest part of what we do and most important. And 
and it's interesting that at the time I didn't necessarily see that vision that it could be um, as big as it is. Yeah, it's, it was really interesting sort of how we've grown and changed even over the past three years or so that I've been full time. And yeah, just sort of very organic growth and ended up where we're at today. And there's a lot of things we'd like to do going forward in the future. So we're never going to stop growing and changing, that's for sure. Yeah, it's cool to have that sort of momentum that's been building for 16 or 17 years now. So I've had a few people ask me recently if single tracks is a mission statement. So I was going to ask you guys, how would you describe the single tracks mission? So we don't really have like a formal mission statement. It's one of those things that's like always on the to-do list. And, you know, we've kind of kicked around different things. But from the beginning, our focus has really just been on giving people the information that they need to either find a great mountain bike trail or pick a bike to buy or even, you know, choose what race to sign up for. And so I think that focus on just making information accessible to people and helping them learn too about mountain biking. I mean, one of the things we've been talking about lately is being the site that helps people find the information they need to create their most epic ride. And, you know, that's really what it is about. It's about progression. It's about learning. And it's about us, you know, sort of weeding through all the stuff that's out there and bringing the best, you know, I mean, that's one of the things people have come to single tracks for, for a long time is looking for the best mountain bike trail in their state or the best place to take a mountain bike vacation. Because, you know, that's what we've been researching all this time. We've been traveling around the country and now even around the world, trails are a big part of it. Bikes are a big part of it. We're just trying to help people find the info that they need less so focused on entertainment. I mean, I think some of the other sites maybe do a better job at that than us at really doing things just to entertain people. Um, but we're, I guess, a little more practical, or at least I am. Down to earth. Um, right on. So we've sort of alluded to you know how much single tracks has grown and changed over time. But I'm sure inquiring minds want to know exactly how big is single tracks right now? Well, I'm glad you asked, Greg. Um, so, so yeah, huge, massive. Yeah, I mean, we've been kind of flying under the radar for many years. You know, most people probably don't realize that we're started back in the late '90s. I mean, just the other day, someone commented, called us like a growing mountain bike community or something, and it's like we've been growing for a very long time. We're not we're not new on the scene by any means, but yeah, we were really excited this past summer to have one or maybe it was two months in a row where we had over a million unique visitors um, in a in a single month and right now even through the winter you know we're like I said we're seasonal but even this winter we're still doing you know over 800,000 unique visitors a month and for those who don't speak internet speak by unique visitors we mean different people so that means 1 million or 800,000 to 1 million different people Every month, use the website, which is a large number. Right, right, right. It doesn't count people who you know come back to the site every day. I mean, it just counts them once for the month. Craziness. So, you know, on the business side of things, how many employees do you have now? How big is the staff for the site? Full time employees. There's um, there's Jeff and you, obviously, and Aaron. You guys have heard Aaron talk on the podcast a lot. And then myself, I am kind of a half-timer, so we're right at three and a half real people 
running this website. But like you said, Greg, we have a whole team of editorial contributors, even other people that, that help us out kind of behind the scenes that we really couldn't do our jobs or it wouldn't be as, as fun as it would if it wasn't for some of the help that we get out there. And, and definitely, you know, people that that don't even necessarily write for us, people that are adding trails and um, using our app and uploading photos, hanging out with us on, on Facebook and Twitter. We, we really value those visitors or those members of our community because, you know, without without all of you guys, you know, shredding while we're here stuck in the office behind computers, we would have no real reason to be doing <laughs> what we do. So we're all in it together. Yeah, that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up. You know, because one of the things that we've tried to get across recently is the idea that single tracks is i mean it's kind of a, a cooperative between us and the users of the site you know i think i've, I've mentioned it before i've probably written about it less than a one percent of the people who visit single tracks contribute anything to the site you know not a review they don't add a photo um, don't post a comment you know 99 percent of the people are really just passive viewers and so those one percent people are the ones who are contributing and are making it a site that other people can use, you know, I mean, the 1%. I mean, at the end of the day, single tracks is a community and it's a resource that's been built over, I mean, almost two decades now of mountain bikers. I mean, you think about the people 10 years ago who added trails and maps and photos and things, and that's what we're all benefiting from now. And, you know, it takes time and we're just really appreciative of anyone who contributes and look forward to, you know, having more people engaged in the community going forward, especially internationally. Right on. So what does the future hold for singletracks.com? Do you have any glimpses of what's coming down the trail for us? Well, I could tell you short term, we've got some exciting things happening on the website. We, we just finished kind of a big project on, um, designing a new logo. So we worked with a, a local designer here, a good friend of ours. Um, we're, we're super excited to, to kind of show that off. It, I think it will give um, a lot of freshness to the, to the site, something that's long overdue, been long overdue. Um, so you'll see that coming your way in the next couple of weeks. Um, and along with that, of course, there'll be some other materials that go with that, you know, some t-shirts and stickers and maybe even some jerseys and socks uh, a little bit later in the spring. So definitely keep your eye out for that. It's, it's going to be fun. We're kind of nervous, but we're excited all at the same time to, to reveal a new look to you all. Yeah. I mean, the logo, you know, the old one has been around a long time, and it's really familiar to a lot of people. But honestly, it sucks. Like, <laughs> I, you know, we kind of uh, worked with a designer. Oh, yeah. Um, like sad, a cheap logo. like logoworks.com where you pay them like a couple hundred bucks and they send you a bunch of things. Anyway, I took that and then I personally modified it and I think I chose the Bauhaus font and yeah, I mean it's just it's just terrible. Not a lot of thought went into it, you know, 10 years or more ago. Um and so this time around, you know, we we wanted to make sure that we really put a lot of thought into it and that it reflected where the brand is today. So, yeah, we're really excited to roll that out. But yeah, thinking more long term and looking forward to the next few years, you know, I think we definitely really want to focus on reaching more international visitors and you know, the trail 
part of that is is difficult because there are multiple languages involved and especially in countries outside like the US and Canada trails aren't as clearly defined if that makes sense so we're trying to find ways to you know catalog and organize that stuff better for for people outside the US in the future and then also I really just want to see us expanding our reach in terms of media for the site. So, you know, the podcast is one of those new things that we're doing to try to reach people beyond sort of the written word and what's posted online and to engage people just in different ways. So that's kind of where I see the site going. Fantastic. I'm excited for what the future holds. It's going to be a fun time. So any final thoughts? Any last words you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I just want to say thanks again to everyone who's been with us for a while now, or even people who are just checking us out for the first time. We're mountain bikers, just like our readers and listeners are, and we're always trying to do our best and make single tracks as useful as possible for people, as easy to use and as full of information as possible. But we also want to be accessible. We want people to give us feedback. I mean, that's half of what we do is based on your input so you know we love hearing from other people and getting ideas and things like that we're constantly learning and hopefully evolving awesome well it's been great chatting with you guys thanks so much for taking the time and for all of you listeners out there we'll be back next week with another podcast peace